All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Fast first hour here on the Gregor Show on Sports 1440, Orders Nation uh, YouTube and Facebook. Welcome back. As always, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And hey, you know what? It could be you tonight, Tuesday. January 30th, 34 million bones up for grabs. PlayAlberta.ca and the Lotto Max. Why not? I really want one of the, to- the 1440 listeners to win. That'd be amazing. I think we could probably have a party, eh? I don't think I'm, if you win 34 mil, you're one of the listeners, I think we could arrange a party. I think it'd be all right. Maybe, uh, you know, win and get in only. I'll tell you right now, if I won 34 mil, whew, there would be quite the... Uh, There'd be quite the bash, or maybe bashes, plural, right? I'd uh, have to do some fun stuff because, come on, you win that much money at one point in your life, like you can't take it with you when you're dead. So you might as well have some uh, some fun at certain times. At least, I, at least I would hope anyway. That's uh, that's how I would look at it. It'd be uh, it'd be amazing. It'd be uh, loads of fun. So get your tickets. PlayAlberta.ca. We uh, welcome to the program. Woo, man. Uh, Sean Brown. Uh, we got Ryan Ford walking out, Sean Brown walking in, and it's just sweatshirt rama here today. <laughs> eh? The boys are just loving it. Uh, Brownie, how you doing? Awesome. Yeah. What a beautiful day. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, I didn't hear, get a chance to listen to the interview coming in, but I've seen him train. I've seen him in the ring before. Didn't you used to, didn't you used to go to the boxing? I, didn't you spar a bit? Yeah, I used to go back in the day when Daryl Duke owned, uh, well, he was our trainer for the Oilers uh, and he owned and ran, uh, Panther Gym. Now, were you in the room 
when yes. Duker and Larac went at it, yeah. and Duker knocked him out. Great, yeah, that was that was unbelievable. That was, could have been one of the funniest things. I've oh, ever seen and Joey counting him out. Yeah, that's that's for anybody, like that's probably the greatest part of the whole story. That is the best right? part because because yeah. Joey Moss, hey. Like, and for people who don't know Daryl Duke, and I know for the longest time people try to keep it quiet, right? And I get, yeah. and George, I talk, I'm like, George, we've got to talk about this at some point, okay, man? And I get George, like, and I get you didn't want it, to, but Daryl Duke was a professional boxer. And now Duker was maybe 5'9. If, if, if yeah, 5'9, yeah. right? Now he was put together though, but yeah. he was 5'9 still. But it just shows you the technique of boxing is amazing. Like when people talk about, oh yeah, like and hey, I still we, we joked about it. We talked about it on the show many years ago when I saw Jelena punch a guy out at the bar after the guy just kept egging it on and she didn't want to do it. it was young in her career. And I remember she did it, and then I was just she looks at me at the time. Yeah. She goes, "We don't talk about this." I'm like, "Yeah, because what?" You know, this was probably I think 15 years after they did a big documentary on her, and then the, I'm guy like, "Well, I got a really good story. I don't know if you want me to tell it." But the guy some like, guy egged her on. What, oh, dude, what are you it was thinking? It, it was at the attic. Really? And um, I still remember it plain there. as day. And then this guy, you know, he's a little inebriated. And you know how some guys like, oh, it's a girl. You know, a girl don't hit that hard. Yeah. And I'm like, and, you know, and to her credit, like this was probably going on for a half an hour. Like it wasn't like a, just a one-time thing. And, yeah. you know, she kept her cool. And then the guy, and then he was making some comments about her sister. And I think that's when all of a sudden it was just like, whew. and so she's like, oh, yeah, you want to? And so, buddy, it was, it was a classic like, cartoon character. One punch, boom. Out and just like as slowly, just a tree down, right? And uh, God, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a big pugilist guy. I don't like watching fights, but this is one where I was like, God, you know what? That guy, he kept wanting, he deserved it. I love it. Like, I mean, sure, his life's yeah. fine, yeah. But oh, and that's, but you see, like a boxer and just a technique. You sparred, like you look at hockey fighters, and a lot, like you're coming wild sometimes, and a lot of times yeah. you're going outside rather yeah. than just straight down the pipe. Yeah. And what a difference! Like, did it? Did you when you sparred? Did you notice a big difference? Oh my god, it was unbelievable. You don't have a real appreciation of the sport until you actually get in there. And I remember coming to Edmonton and Daryl Duke uh, meeting him down at Panther and him putting me in the ring. I've never been to a boxing ring or any type of gym like that ever in my life. Where it was like right out of Rocky. It was right yeah. above a veterinarian or a meat shop. It, it reeked. It was. There was no rules. There was guys in there with no shirts, and <laughs> it was just complete chaos. And so I'm in there working out with Duker, and Duker's like, hey, I want you to go in there and fight this guy. I want you to box him. And I'm like, I've never boxed. I don't even know how to box. He's like, you'll be fine. Uh, and so the, he did that quite often, and I can't remember the guy's name, but when I was in the ring with this guy, it's always hard to box, too, because you don't know, you know, you don't want to hit him hard. You don't want to get hit hard. And so you're trying to figure out the proper... I guess, you know, uh, how hard do you hit someone? And so I'm in there and man, I, I just remember it was like three rounds, probably three minutes long. And by the third round, I couldn't lift my arms up. Like my shoulders oh. were burning. <laughs> and, and it got to the point where I was like, I couldn't put my hands up. And this guy was obviously technically like you're talking about, like really good. And I just, I didn't have, I didn't have the strength anymore to hold up my hands. And I was just finally, I was like, Hey man, just like knock me out. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't get my hands up anymore to protect myself. Right. And, and the cardio too, you don't realize, oh. I don't think I was breathing. Right. So <laughs> I think I was holding my breath the whole time and he was, he was hitting me in the face. I'd oh. cover my face. He'd hit me in the ribs and the stomach. I was just like mercy, man. But what a skill. I mean, Duker, you know, 
you were at the funeral there with uh, George and uh, for for Robin Brownlee there, yeah. and you know, uh, obviously Robin played a big part in George's career and yeah. helping him with some anxiety. And you know, there was another guy too, and Daryl Duke you know, was that guy for both of us as well, where he took a lot of that anxiety and, yeah. you know, I learned the fight and learned the technical part and learned yeah. so much from Duker. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. He was amazing. And, and, yeah. but the cardio is what you, you like, it's Hey man, I'm in pretty good shape. You get into no. boxing, like, yeah, it's, it's a different, like, anybody out there, you know what? And now, now boxing, I'm not saying you have to, but if you just want to train for boxing, it, it you want to get your cardio, you're like, yeah, you know what? Jesus. I need a change. Just go. You know, there's lots of guys around town that oh, yeah. uh, will do it. Uh, Eddie Hallaby's a good. You want to get in good shape, yeah. man? Like, oh my God, there is. Uh, there's lots of uh, lots of places. I, to do it. I I went to the fights last week there with um, uh, uh, Kenny Clu- uh, Kenny Lacusta put on there. Yeah. And, and you know what I was thinking? You know, we are. It, it is a nice way to incorporate something different into your training because it's nothing like you'll ever be. It's nothing like you can ever do in the gym. Right. And it's an unbelievable cardio workout with a shoulder, a full body. And you don't even know you're doing it. But by the end of it, you're just exhausted. Yeah. Oh, 100 uh, percent. Jason Greger, Sean Brown uh, with this Brown. It's a week away for the orders. Uh, they got the break now. Uh, they won 16 in a row. There's uh, there's really nothing about their game. Like you would have to be the ultimate negative person to try to be. Oh, this is a real issue in their game. There's no real issue. Some like no game. No team's perfect. Some games you're going to have to win by your best players dominating. Some games you're going to have to win by your goalie standing his head. Some games your penalty kill is going to be great. Some games you dominate. And that's what the orders have done now for 16 in a row, which is uh, which is really crazy when you when you take a step back and think about it. It's only the third time in NHL history a team's ever won uh, 16 in a row. And they have a chance to tie the record against Vegas. Um TR doesn't seem to think that, you know, the guys are going to think that much about it. He's like, hey, you know what? Uh, no one's going to talk about the record later on. I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe. But if you're that close to it, how could you not talk about it? Say, hey, why wouldn't we want to own an NHL record? We've gone this far. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, at, you know, earlier in the stages of, you know, this winning streak, it's obviously not something you're, you know, focused on. But, I mean... Now with the media and social media and everyone talking about it, it has to be on their minds, right? And when you're this close, it is pretty special, right? It, it is something that, um, you know, as a team, especially, you know, Connor said it best there. I mean, the thing that he's most proud of is the fact that, you know, all that adversity and the challenges that they face it, like that was, that could not have been easy being in that environment, being in that dressing room, facing the media day after day. And the fact that they've come out, uh, the way they have, you know, with this winning streak, you know, says something to the character and to the group of guys there. And, you know, because I think they would appreciate this record and this opportunity that much more because of it. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's the main focus of where they're at, but it, it, it definitely is something that when you get this close, why not go for it? And why not rally around to go for it? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, oh, 100%. And what what do you think of a break? Where do you come out as a former player? Is the break good or is it bad? Like when you're when you're rolling, is it e- like you're rolling? You go into the break, everybody's feeling good, but uh, you get time off. Like both teams have a break though, so that's why. Is there is there any negative to the break? Where do you come out on it? No, I think the break is great. Everyone needs a break, you know. Like whether it's going good or you're facing some adversity, just I think we all just need a break from our everyday routine if we can. And the fact that you know what I like most about the break is that. 
everybody has to be feeling great about themselves. So now you get away, um, you know, get to spend some time with your wife, kids, family, whatever it is you decide to do. But I really like the fact that, you know, Corey Perry has come here, um, you know, and just having that new body, uh, new conversation, new voice, you know, um, you know, is going to kind of build uh, on the fact that, you know, building that culture, that excitement in the dress room. And so when they come back, there's always a little bit of a lull, obviously, you know, they're going to, you know, the, the last thing they're going to be doing is, you know, being on the ice, they're going to take, take this time away. But when they come back, what I like most about it is a guy like Corey Perry. And we talked about it, you know, last Tuesday is he's going to drag a lot of guys into these games with the way he plays. And, you know, he, he showed it in his first shift there where, you know, he went to the net, got knocked down, and he's going to drag a lot of guys in back into this because they're going to want to hit the ground running when they get back from this break. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I did a deep dive at OrdersNation.com about the order schedule. Uh, April is obviously very tough with 10 games in, in 18 days and three sets of, uh, of back to back, but, uh, their February schedule, uh, and like the orders, we had said this before January, the orders toughest part of their schedule was done. Right. And, and so I broke it down into games against top 10 teams, games against bottom 10 teams, uh, games on the road, games at home, back to back. Now the orders do have the most back to backs of any of these top teams in the West. They have eight. Uh, the remainder of the way, but really only the one with Arizona and Colorado, your final two games of the season is a really difficult one. When you consider travel, they have one in Seattle where they play a Seattle game in the afternoon, Brownie. Then the game's done at five. They'll fly home. They're probably home at let's say 10, right? That's not a crazy Like You're home in bed at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and you have a night game at seven the next day. No morning skate. That That's not a real terrible travel day. Right. They have uh, two sets of back-to-backs where they're in Edmonton for both of them. So there's no back there. There's one Edmonton and then Calgary the next night. Again, not, uh, you know, you're, you're probably in Calgary by what? If, if you play in Edmonton on a Friday night at seven, uh, after the game, by the time you're in a hotel, is it like one o'clock in Calgary? One thirty? After going out and eating everything? Yeah. Or the, well, oh. nowadays they got to eat food on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're back in, yeah. I don't think rest or being tired or yeah, traveling so, isn't nearly as big of an issue. Yeah. Even from when I played, it's probably, it's come even yeah. further, right? Yeah. So I, there's just that one. Now, still, you know, back to back, although the orders have been actually quite good at it the, the last few seasons. Uh, I really think, like, the other thing about the Vegas game that's, that's important is I really think home, like, ideally you want to finish first in either the Central or the Pacific. Because you've got Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado. Whoever finishes first avoids the other two teams for one round. And same Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas. And I look at Vancouver down the stretch. Vancouver actually has the most games against top 10 teams. They also, though, have a nine-game home streak. Uh, or, sorry, home stand in, uh, in March, which is uh, in February, excuse me, which is nuts. I, I look at the, the Canucks. And like Vegas, I think there's very plausible that Edmonton could reel them in, right? They're five back with five games in hand. What about the Canucks? Like I know everybody's talked about their shooting percentage. Do I think it's uh, sustainable? No. However, defensively, they're pretty good. They've allowed the fourth uh, fewest goals against. Uh, they're fifth in scoring chances. Uh, and uh, I think they're ninth in expected goals against. So they're, they're a pretty good defensive team. Do you think Vancouver's realistic to catch at this point? Well, I think a lot of the factors that would come into it is is health, right? Who can stay healthy and injury-free? And, um, you know, and that goes for both teams and obviously the Oilers as well. I mean, Stuart Skinner, uh, with getting the bulk of, you know, the starts, I'm, is going to be have to play in, 
be healthy and and so is everyone else in that lineup so you know looking at the schedule here yeah I mean they definitely have tough games coming up the the one thing that you know that I can see in the NHL is that just because you're ahead or below in the standings I, I don't know if there's an easy game because coming down the stretch there's always you know a team that might even be below you those guys are still playing for contracts and opportunities throughout the league and I think the parity you know throughout the league is is the strength of it yeah. right is there's just I, I wouldn't take anything for granted uh, in the NHL and in, in any game, and regardless of travel, um, their main approach is, you know, I think is to continue to build towards being that playoff team, and you know, the coaching staff is obviously going to be. There's going to be a heavy push to make sure all their details in their game in all three zones are dialed in so that they're they're prepared. But I th- I think with the way they're playing and the players that they have, I mean, anything's possible. We got a lot of texts, 833-401-1440. Hey, Brownie, did, did you ever spar with any of your order teammates like the Sabres used to? Spar with any of my teammates? Um, no, I don't. You know what? A lot of the sparring that I did was in the summertime, and it usually was with some local guys that were, you know, in Panther Gym, um, you know, that were kind of either there just training and enjoyed boxing like I did, or some guys that, you know, were looking for some sparring partners, but yeah, no, I never did. You know, I did a lot of hand pads obviously with, with Daryl. Um, you know, you talked about, you touched on the technique. Daryl, Daryl, uh, was really good with George and I, as far as making sure that, you know, our technique was good. Um, and, um, you know, I, I found for, you know, I think we both found, you know, just, being able to relax that's one thing duker really helped me with is just being able to hit the hand pads and just be able to relax and breathe right and just let your hands go and just the loose you know yeah he you know but yeah as far as getting in there with actual teammates and stuff no we never i never did get in there oh okay curious uh quick break uh when we return kenny albert will uh join man this guy is one of the most versatile play-by-play men around. Uh, NHL, NFL, NBA, MLB, does it all. We'll talk to Kenny next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We continue on a lovely Tuesday afternoon. Man, the melt is on here. Holy cow. Lovely weather, but hey, I want the ODR. I uh, need some moisture, so hopefully it's going to snow again. Chill down a little bit. It's a little too early for uh, everything to be melting, for my liking. We'll see. See how it goes. Uh, never too early, though, to talk one of the with one of the most versatile voices in pro sports as we go uh, around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's and baby, it is back. The McRib after a ten year hiatus. It'd be like Brownie coming out of retirement. Except people, except people really want this. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the difference. But uh, the uh, the McRib is back starting today at your local McDonald's. Stop in. Try it out. Uh, we are joined by a gentleman who is uh, called NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL games at the at the playoffs, at the peak time. Just wrote a book. He's an author now. Kenny Albert joins us. Kenny, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you? Hey, it's great, man. What a what an unbelievable career. Obviously, you know it's a, it's kind of in your genes. I, th- I think it's fair to say that uh, you know you get into the uh, you know into the broadcasting world, but just because it's in your genes doesn't mean that uh, you're going to have the uh, the career that that you've had. And um, I, I guess I want to go to the versatility of it. 
Um, you know, because call like baseball is so different to call than hockey or basketball or the NFL. How you know when, when it comes to preparation for, for like, is there one that's harder to prepare for for you as a play-by-play guy? Well, first of all, I really appreciate the kind words. Um, I've always enjoyed the versatility, and it really dates back to my high school days when uh, a local cable station showed up at my school to film a girls' basketball game, and they gave me the opportunity. They didn't have announcers. Uh, they just had a couple of cameras and a production van, and um, I, I announced that game and then spoke to the producer the next day and for the next three years uh, worked games all over Long Island in so many different sports, uh, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, lacrosse. And um, then in my early years working in Washington, when I was hired to do the Capitals home games on cable television, um, also was asked to fill in on some basketball and baseball. So uh, I've always enjoyed the versatility. As far as uh, the prep, I I go about it the same way. I have a checklist that I use prior to each and every event no matter the sport, and it involves a lot of reading and watching uh, prior games and, and going to press conferences and talking to players and coaches. So uh, the actual checklist is similar, although the football prep is much more uh, you know, voluminous as far as the amount of time because on a given Sunday I might have two teams week 18 that I haven't seen all year. So you really have to catch up on their season. There are so many players on both sides. Um, with hockey, and then I do some basketball as well. Uh, the teams are playing three or four games a week. You know, you're watching the games, you're around the team. So uh, when football ends, and really enjoy it, and I've worked NFL games for 30 years now, and you know every game's so big, obviously. But when when the football season ends, there is this. Uh, it feels like there's some you know air going out of the balloon as far as uh, not not being uh, involved in the preparation, you know, for hours and hours every day. So you do have a little more uh, time to yourself once the football season ends, but um, really wouldn't trade it in for anything. Um, you know, enjoy, enjoy doing all sports, and, and there's a lot of prep, a lot of work and travel that goes into it, but I never really feel like I'm working. So feel very fortunate in that regard. Kenny, I've called uh, hockey and, you know, and, uh, and, and football – and, and basketball and lacrosse, uh, obviously not at the, 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 you know, the NHL level or anything like that. But I, I, there was like lacrosse was a sport that I, and I didn't know anything about when I first started calling. It was the one I actually enjoyed the most. It was so fast. It was, for a play by play guy, it was easy because the sport made you just sound almost better because there was always something going on. Is there one sport you enjoy or is there one sport you feel you're better at calling? You know, it's funny because people often tell me, uh, because with football and the basketball that I do and, and the NHL on TNT and, and the baseball games that I work, you know, that's all television. I still do uh, radio for the Rangers, not every game, but, yeah. but a good portion of the games. And people say to me all the time, boy, it just sounds so exciting when, when you do hockey on the radio. But I think, you know, that's the nature of the sport and the radio call. Yeah, um, It's going to sound exciting. Um, I actually worked two basketball games on the radio this week, which in my career uh, professionally, I've probably done less than 10 basketball radio games. And it was so much fun just describing everything that's going on. You know, the radio really takes you back to the fundamentals of when I was in high school and college and, and just starting out. There is something different about radio. You feel like you're so into the game because you're describing everything. So I think that's 
you know what what when people listen to those sports on the radio, it just tend it tends to sound more exciting because of the nature of the sport. Um, you mentioned lacrosse. I did a, a few lacrosse games back in the day, about 25, 30 years ago, and with with sports such as lacrosse and soccer that I wasn't as familiar with. Uh, you learn the rules, the strategy, the history, um, but I kind of uh, tricked myself. You know, I told myself just do it like a hockey game because it's kind of similar. Uh, there are more players and the field's bigger, but the goal is the same, to score a goal. So, um, you know, that's what I would do with regard to those sports. I've worked some others, um, such as boxing and a little bit of volleyball and track and field, and really enjoy the challenge uh, of those sports. Not afraid to admit that I bought volleyball for dummies. I bought the book Track and Field for Dummies and, um, you know, talk to people who have been involved in the sport for a long time just to get a sense again, of the history and the the strategy, et cetera. Kenny, with your dad being Marv Albert and growing up with him, was there any advice or anything that you've learned from him that you've used today? Well, certainly learned a lot just by growing up, watching him work and prepare and do the games. And I was lucky enough to keep stats for him uh, from a young age, uh, whether it was hockey, basketball, football, I'd be right there in the booth and it was really more so what I learned by osmosis than him actually sitting me down and, and giving me a lesson, uh, just just observing you know, how he would work. And the preparation was the number one thing that I learned, just how important that was. And, and then when I was in the booth keeping stats and I had the headset on, just listening to the communication that he had with various color analysts and with the production truck and um, you know other folks who might have been involved in, in the broadcast as well. So... Um, it was a terrific learning experience. I had great teachers. His uncle, uh, my uncles, his brothers as well, were uh, play-by-play broadcasters. So got to learn from some of the best in the business. Kenny Albert uh, joins us. Again, uh, you mentioned uh, TNT and hockey, and it's you know the TNT broadcast has uh, you know really I think it started with, with Shaq and 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 Charles Barkley, and they, you know and now they've brought it into the NHL, and you have Biz, and they make it a little bit more. I want to say a little bit more enjoyable, you know, a little chirping, different things like that. Uh, do, do you find from from your vantage point, is it a more fun broadcast? Well, I was lucky enough to be a part of, of the NHL and NBC uh, for 10 plus years. And I think uh, everybody at NBC, the production folks, the announcers, you know, really raised the bar as far as as hockey on television in the United States. And now TNT's taken it one step further. And uh, it was a lot of fun for me working with everybody that I uh, was involved with at NBC. And then you look at the TNT studio show uh, led by Leah McHugh, the host, and, and Biz and Anson Carter and Wayne Gretzky, Henrik Lundqvist. Craig Berube's going to be in there tomorrow. So it is a lot of fun. And, and they base it off the basketball model, like you mentioned. I think that the, the TNT basketball show and the Fox football uh, pre-game show, and I'm a part of both of those networks, you know, have to be considered among the best all time as far as sports pre- and post-game shows. And it's a great group that uh, TNT put together on the hockey side. You know, any chance you get to listen to Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player of all time, um, you know, it's like those E.F. Hutton commercials back in the day when, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And I've gotten to spend time around those guys at uh, Winter Classics and during the playoffs, and it's just uh, you know, the, the hockey IQ is just tremendous. And then in the booth with, with Eddie Olchek and Keith Jones the last two years and now with Eddie and Brian Boucher and then 
We also have Brendan Burke and Darren Tang and, and Jen Botterill and Jackie Redman uh, working on the other crew as well. So it's a terrific group, proud to be a part of it, and uh, great memories from the last two years. We had the opportunity to call the uh, Western Conference Final two years ago with the Avalanche and the Oilers, and then went through uh, the Stanley Cup Final last year with Vegas and Florida. So um, it's a tremendous group and uh, look forward to hopefully uh, many, many uh, more years with the NHL on TNT for all of us. You talked about how, you know, the sport leads itself to, to being exciting and offense is up in the NHL the last few years. Um, you know, every play by play guy I know, hey, the more exciting the game is, the better you sound. That's just how it is, right? <laughs> and, uh, but you look at, you know, the, the, the way the game is played now, there's a little bit more emphasis on, on offense in the sense that they allow them to play more. There's much more of an onus on, on, on puck moving ability all over the ice. Obviously, you do a lot of the Ranger games are a pretty talented team right now. Um, from your vantage point, like you look at the uh, at the star power in the National Hockey League right now, like Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Drysdale, Kucherov, go down the list. Panarin's having an unreal year. Uh, do you find like when you interact with with different teams and different leagues, like how, how different like are the superstars? Like you talk to the best of the best in, in the game. Can do, do you notice a significant difference from sport to sport? That's a great question. I've never really thought about that, comparing uh, the, the best athletes from sport to sport. Um, do have the opportunity to sit down every week with, with some of the top players in the NFL, um, and it's usually the quarterback and a couple of coaches and a defensive player. So I've been in these semi-private meetings with, with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and so many of the other greats. And uh, whether, it's, whether it's a Gretzky or a Crosby or a Mario Lemieux, they all kind of do have that same aura about them. But the one thing I will say is that I have been asked often about uh, who are some of my favorites. And I think, you know, Wayne Gretzky and Brett Favre, the two that stuck out as just the most, uh, you know, down to earth. Um, if, if you didn't know they were superstar athletes, you wouldn't know just, okay. just the way they treated you in these meetings. And, you know, I'll put some of those others uh, who I mentioned, you know, Peyton Manning the same way. Um, you know, you just wouldn't know they were a superstar athlete unless you knew because they were such good people and, and, and treated you so well. Um, you know, as far as the first part of the question, you know, I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s, watching a lot of those high-scoring games. You know, always loved watching the Oilers back in the 80s whenever I could, although a lot of the games weren't on television back in the Northeast and the U.S. So I remember the days of the 8-7 and, you know, 10-8 games, and then we went through the, the defensive stretch, the neutral zone trap, and the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, and then with some of the rule changes, uh, now we're back to higher scoring games. And you're right, from a play-by-play announcer standpoint, we love goals. You know, as much as I love to watch a defensive battle or a one nothing shutout once in a while, and uh, for 15 years I got to watch Henrik Lundqvist on a, a day-in, day-out basis, and the Rangers won so many of those games, one nothing, 2-1, 3-2. But, um, you know, then I think back, to the Avalanche Oilers series, and even though for your listeners, you know, it, it was obviously not a good result for the Oilers, but just exciting high-scoring games, at least uh, two out of the four. So uh, those were a lot of fun to call, and anytime we have an opportunity uh, to work an Oilers game, you know, watching the likes of McDavid and Dreisaitl or a Colorado game with McKinnon and McCarr, uh, you know, those are certainly among the most fun games that we get to call throughout the course of the season. 
Kenny, is there anyone in any of the major sports that com- that are in the same situation that you're in commentating commentating it that you look up to or you admire the work that they do? Well, I, I, I admire a lot of other broadcasters. I watch so many games, and, you know, I'm real fortunate, uh, the variety that I have enjoyed for many years. And um, as far as I know, I'm the only one right now calling all four. Uh, you know, to a different extent, I'm working about – eight to ten baseball games a year, about 15 basketball games. So it's primarily football and hockey. But there are so many other great broadcasters who work either one sport or or multiple sports. Um, You know, I think about now Michaels and the legendary career he's had, you know, one of the greatest of all time in football, Doc Emmerich in hockey. Um, You know, Mike Breen I was just with last night. He's one of the Knicks broadcasters as well who has done the NBA Finals for the last 15 years. Um you know, guys like Joe Buck and Ian Eagle and Mike Tirico, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but those are certainly among the ones that I enjoy watching the most. And uh, you had a book come out uh, just uh, late last year, uh, so now you you put author uh, beside your name, uh, Kenny. Of course, the uh, the book uh, A Mike for All Seasons. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and, and how was the uh, the process of becoming a writer. Well, it was a very exciting project and process. It was uh, an interesting process. I had never written a book before, so learned a lot uh, about the process along the way, both the writing, the organizing, the editing, and uh, was just so thrilled to see it in print for the first time. It, it was published in October. I had my first copies in late August, early September, and um, felt like I had a lot of stories to tell just from, from three decades in sportscasting. Yep. And then dating back even further than that, my early life growing up in a sportscasting family and first doing games in high school and then in college and my two years in the American Hockey League with the Baltimore Skipjacks. There's an entire chapter on um, my time in Baltimore and my roommate on the road was Barry Trotz. He was our assistant coach at the time to save money. They had the radio guy and the assistant coach share a room together. Joel Quenville was on our team for half a season, so we had the at this point, the two winningest, two of the three winningest head coaches in NHL history, uh, I was on those bus rides with uh, in Joel Quenville and Barry Trotz, and and I always wanted to. Uh, I had always thought about putting pen to paper, and never really had the time. And then during the pandemic is when I got started with an outline and with some sample chapters and stories, and um, it was about a two and a half year process from start to finish. And I cover, like I said, my early life. Uh, the time in the AHL, and then a chapter on each of the four sports that I do on a regular basis, a chapter on the Olympics, a chapter on the 200-plus color commentators I've worked with, a chapter on travel tales, travel stories, a chapter on how we did things broadcasting-wise during the COVID pandemic, uh, a chapter paying it forward to young high school and college broadcasters out there. So it's a it's a compilation of stories. Hopefully uh, some of your listeners have had or will have had uh, you know, the opportunity, uh, we'll have the opportunity to pick it up at some point. Uh, it's available Barnes and Noble online, Amazon target. The book has its own Instagram site, a mic for all seasons. And one of the things that I'm most proud of, uh, the forwards were written by Wayne Gretzky and Walt Clyde Frazier, uh-huh. uh, two true gentlemen who I've had the great pleasure of working with, uh, in the broadcast booth. And it's, it's surreal every time I look at the cover and see, uh, both of their names on there. Well, Kenny, uh, quickly, uh, because you call a lot of the Ranger games, um, they, they mean, for their standards, they've been a little bit of a funk as of late. Uh, what, do you, what do you see uh, that they need to do coming out of this break to get back on track? 
Well, they had such a great start to the season under first-year head coach Peter Laviolette. Uh, the last 10 games probably haven't been uh, what, what they would have hoped for, but they did have such a big cushion that they're still in first pra- uh, place heading into the All-Star break. Um, you know, Igor Shosturkin, he, he is heading to the All-Star game, but, uh, you know, the numbers, the goals against save percentage, probably not what uh, he's certainly used to. Um, and then I think depth, you know, with the injury to Filipino, um, you know, he was their second-line center, and, and Vincent Trocek's moved up, and he's done a terrific job. He's heading to the All-Star game as well. Uh, but, but the depth certainly affected by Heedle's injury and a couple of other injuries. But I think when you look at them on paper, certainly one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, and uh, they proved that early in the season. There's still a long way to go. Every team goes through a stretch like this, right, for yeah. eight or ten games during the course of the season. They uh, beat Ottawa 7-2 in their last game prior to the break, so uh, they'll have an opportunity to refresh. Uh, Artemi Panarin's having a tremendous season. Uh, Trocek's heading to the All-Star game. I think their group of defensemen from, uh, you know, one through six, certainly among the best in the entire league. Alexi Lafreniere's having his best season. Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider right on down the line. So um, I think they'll be fine. Uh, again, they got a bit of a cushion by getting off to such a great start. Uh, Jonathan Quick came in his first year with the Rangers, and he's been outstanding. So, um, again, I think you know they're one of the teams that certainly have a great chance to advance far uh, come playoff time this spring. Kenny, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, continued success, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. You betcha. That is uh, Kenny Albert, uh, unbelievable voice, and uh, on TNT for the NHL, does the MLB, NFL, f- as just mentioned, is doing some college stuff. That guy, uh, if you like sports, that's the ideal gig, man. <laughs> that is the ideal gig. And then uh, I'd like what he said about, you know, there's lots more research he felt in the NFL, right? Uh, more players to get used at different times in the game now more than ever. So, uh, you know, in, in basketball, obviously there's a limited roster, so a little bit easier. Baseball, you, you got a little bit more time. You kind of know the nine position players, you know who the pitcher are. Okay. And then when guy comes in out of the bullpen, all right, we got some time here, but. Uh, football would, it would definitely be, uh, difficult for sure. You're looking, you gotta make sure you memorize all special, special teams. There's not a lot of tackles as much. So many fair catches now. It's a little bit easier, but still, there's a lot of moving parts in football. And you have to understand the game. Like, yeah. To understand that many games and, you know, why certain things are happening and being able to comment on why it's happening or why, what could happen. Um, yeah, the, the amount of prep work and to, to know those names. What a skill. I mean, I, you know, for that short little stint there I had with Sportsnet, like I, what a real appreciation I had for for Gene and Tony and those guys uh, and how they handled themselves and put the, you know, how natural it looked. It was, you know, one of those things that until you actually do it, you don't understand how hard it is. Yeah. Jason Greger, Sean Brown with you on Sports 1440. Presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Uh, we'll come back, uh, talk a little uh, more hockey, some uh, some football talk, uh, lots more moving parts. The uh, the junior hockey scene in Canada is going to be changing quickly. We'll discuss that more when we return. Three fifty. Welcome back. How are you Tuesday afternoon? Jason Greger, Connor Halley, Sean Brown with you. Sports fourteen forty. Orders Nation uh, YouTube and Facebook eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Got uh, lots of text to, to get to. 
Hey guys, uh, the 93 Penguins, 17 wins. Uh, the Warriors, 73 and 9. Patriots, 16 and 0. Oakland A's, 20 win streak. I'm sure they're within reach. They talked about it. What sucks for those didn't end up with a championship. Hope the order's fate is different. Yeah, well, but keep in mind, like the Bulls won 72 games and won a championship. Um, the Islanders won 15 games in a row and won a championship. Um, the, yeah, the Penguins, it's funny because they were the two time defending champ. They were the favorite going in, but they got up. They got upset by David Volek in the New York Islanders. One of the bigger upsets in pro sports. And here's the thing, though, Sean. There's no guarantee. They could win five in a row six times. There's no guarantee whatever you do in the regular season doesn't guarantee you playoff success. Health. Obviously, you need a good team. You got to be playing to your system. And then you're going to need a few lucky bounces. That's just how it is in the NHL playoffs, man. Like, Think about the West top six right now. Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg. Edmonton, Vegas, and Vancouver. Is there one where you can say, oh, yeah, they're a clear favorite? No chance. If if Vancouver would beat Edmonton, no one would be shocked. If Edmonton beat Vancouver, no one would be shocked. Same with Vegas. Dallas versus Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Colorado. That's what makes it great. Also, uh, you know, what uh, c- can make it frustrating. I'm curious to see, you know, does... Will, if one team makes a move, do others try to counter it? Because right now there's, you know, there's not a ton of separation. Not a lot of separation. So makes it great. But you know what? There's, there's nothing that will guarantee you uh, a victory come playoff time. That's the, uh, that's the, uh, the harsh reality about it. Boston showed it last year, man. NHL record most wins ever. Then they had a 3 1 series lead. And a three-one lead in Game Seven, and still lost. You, you just you you're bang on. I mean, you just you're trying to get there, and when you get there, everyone has a chance, right? Somebody gets hot, somebody gets injured, right? You know, there there's obviously a little bit of luck in you know winning the Stanley Cup because you know the games that you don't play are almost as important as the games you do play, right? Because you don't want that wear and tear on your body. You don't want to grind guys down, right? So you need some, you know, you need to have some easy series, I guess. Yeah. Hey, Greg, I read online today there's possibly as many as 40 uh, more teams at the junior A level looking to possibly break ties with Hockey Canada. Any idea if that's true? Certainly interesting if it is from uh, Tube Socks. Well, I can't say if it's true or not. I, I can't say I'm shocked, right? Uh, there is, so you look at – there's and we, we talked about it during the break, and that's why I wanted to tease it. There, I think there's big changes coming in, in junior hockey across the country for a variety of reasons. The NCAA is going to allow major junior players to come there. They, they have no choice. They have nil now. You have players making money, right? The whole argument against it was, uh, e- even though you, you could argue that some other, you know, programs, uh, got around and NCAA hockey never did, but that'll open up the door. Now, will, what will that mean to major junior hockey? Right? Will you see players who, uh, play at 16, 17, get drafted? Would they then move to the NCAA at 18 years of age? Maybe. But is it clearly better than Major Junior? I'm not. I'm not sold that it is. Right? Like I would love to see NCAA champ against the uh, the CHL champs, right? Or, or like a, like a, like a yeah, tournament, yeah, not just one. Yeah. Let's make it a tournament and see. Because if it's just one game, you know, who it might be a good yeah. matchup? Who knows? But could you imagine there is a fine like the Memorial Cup Final Four and the Final Four in NCAA, and they play now eight teams in a tournament? That would be unreal. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Now it's probably never going to happen, but although things are changing and the NCAA will spark the change, 
Um, you know, how is that going to impact player choices? Well, well, here's the thing. First of all, there's no guarantee ever that you'll get an NCAA scholarship. But there's no guarantee. Now, you can play the odds a little bit more, sure, but there's no guarantee. In the WHL, the minute you sign a letter of intent, you get one year of eligibility. If you're smart, you'll do that as a parent. You'll just say, hey, yeah, get it in writing. You sign, that's one year. Then you play one game. Now that's another year. So you play one game in the W. You have two years of university. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mercy guaranteed. At the age of 16, NCAA programs can't guarantee anything. Because guess what? Could only At best, you can sign a letter of intent. And then let's say, Brownie, you get hurt as a 17-year-old. Well, now they can say, sorry, no scholarship, you're hurt. Meanwhile, in the WHL, you've already had two years guaranteed, right, at, at a Canadian uh, a, a university. So, you know, there's there's different there's different ways to look at it. Um, AJHL, not always, but I would say the majority of players who choose the AJHL route were a little bit smaller or lighter because they needed a little bit more time to develop. Nothing wrong with that, right? And some of them were really high in the education, but the WHL education program has improved immensely in the last 15 years unquestionable to where it was before. So they have closed the gap. So I don't know NCAA allowing CHL players. Like, I guess my question is, let's say you're a 19 year old Brownie. You played three years in the dub. Are you, are they going to be, is the NCAA going to get a lot of 20 year olds on scholarships? Maybe, but, but I don't know for certain if they will. Yeah. Well, I think the difference, I mean, I'm living it because my sons went through it, right? He was drafted into the WHL and decided to play in the AJ and go the school route. So he has a, a full scholarship at um, Michigan Tech. And it, it is hard having been involved in it and seeing both sides. And no one way is better than the other, really. Because like you said, I mean, both leagues have come a long way. The education piece has come a long way. It, it is true that, you know, that was one thing we had to kind of balance out when, 
when the WHL team that drafted my son wanted him to sign was it was a guarantee, you know, one year. It was a guarantee if you sign for two years, regardless of whether you play or you don't play. And that's, you know, that's nice to have, um, you know, and then we decided or he decided that he wanted to go to school. Um, but a lot of kids do commit to schools, but yeah. it's verbal. It's a yeah. handshake. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee. It doesn't mean anything, no. right? And so we did a bunch of fly downs last summer just to kind of see what school and, you know, what was a good fit for, for him and our family. Um, he wind up signing and it's a little bit more of a guarantee, but he signed a national letter of intent, right? Which is a little bit more, is a lot more than a, uh, than a handshake because I've seen kids typically they don't want kids coming out of the AJ until you age out like 1920. Yeah. Right. Because the NCAA is, is, is an older league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so the one thing in hockey is there's always pressure. There's always expectations. And just because you're good as a 16, 17 year old or, or anytime throughout your career, you always have to show growth yeah. and improvement. Mm-hmm. Right. And the minute you stop doing that, whether you're in the WHL or, you know, you decide to go to NCAA, it can all be taken away, right? So, I mean, the pressure's on for these kids. <laughs> I feel, you know, it was a lot easier for me to go through it as a player. I found it way harder watching my kid go through it. Because well, tr- you, have, you have no, no control. Yeah, you have no and control. And explaining to him, like, hey, with with, you know, a full scholarship and what they're offering you comes, like, high expectations yeah and there are you can go there for a year brownie and they can walk away from your scholarship those stories never get talked about a lot but it's happened guy goes in now a new coach comes in all of a sudden now the difference is now you can leave after a year too so let's say you go to a school well, the portal yeah right the portal now has really changed it so let's say yeah. you go to a school because you're like hey lots of times okay you know what they're recruiting me i look at the 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 depth chart okay they got three or four five defense when they're going to age out here in the next two years by my second or third year i should be a top pair guy playing big minutes yeah right that's the strategy well now all of a sudden with the portal it's think about it if there was free agency every year in the national hockey league (laughs) that's what it is it is the most chaotic system there is right now it's great for the players in a sense the ones who get to move but there's lots of players now who are on a team okay you know what hey i think i'm gonna move up to start now oh this guy in uh, michigan guess what he doesn't like it there. He's leaving. Now he comes in and all of a sudden I'm not going up. Heck, I'm going down. As a team, they don't know what they have, right? Yes. Because you can sign sign with a school. Maybe that's not, maybe you wanted to go to Mankato or yep. a, a certain school and that, that, you know, and they weren't ready to offer you anything and you wind up going to RPI or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's go there, have a good year. And if you have a good year and raise your stock, yeah. jump in the portal. I mean, I don't know if that's great. No, but right? And a lot of guys do it because they feel, hey, and, and hockey, not so much maybe yet, because obviously the, the big NLL, the nil money is right now in football and basketball still, right? I, I haven't seen, maybe there's one or two hockey guys, but I haven't seen a lot of big nil money for hockey yet. So maybe it won't impact hockey as much. But in those other ones, there's a guy who has a good season at one team, and then he's like, oh, I can transfer to this school, and with me transferring there, all of a sudden I'll get a $100,000 nil deal. Yeah. Right where maybe I'm in a smaller school, I won't get it. So, um, I, I do think how this has the the impact for the for the juniors, and that was the initial question by Tube Socks, is that you know you can't be glacier slow in making changes if you're Hockey Canada now, 
right? Um, the teams are going to want to find a way to, to be able to be as competitive as they can in getting players. That's just the truth. Yeah. And so that's why you're going to – that's what it's going to come down to. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked if you have junior A teams showing that they can succeed without Hockey Canada, then others are going to say, well, hey, wait a sec. Because that's usually what it takes. It takes somebody in any walk of life. It's like an inventor. And nobody's thought about this. Some guy invents some idea. and Oh, my goodness. This is great. Now everybody wants it. And so I can see that happening in, in the junior A ranks. Um, will there be a little bit of chaos at times? 100%. I, you know what? Um, will, will most fans notice a massive difference? Like if you're a, if you're a Sure Park Crusader fan or a, a Spruce Grove fan, when they come back next season, will you notice a significant difference? Probably not. Other than I think they're, they're hoping there'll be more competitive games overall because they're ha- and your son's in Okotoks. There's the top four teams, Brownie, and then there's a clear, uh, difference from the top four to the rest of the league. They definitely, there, there is a gap. There is, yeah. and I know talking to the league and, you know, I've brought up and had conversations with them and I know they're obviously aware of it and it, they were working in this direction, you know, continuously to make the league better is they are going to come up with like a minimum standard that, you know, they want to hold all the teams because you don't need Brooks and you don't need Drayton Valley or Olds, you know, that big of a gap. No. Right. And largely it's due to how the teams are run and, you know, you kind of pay for what you get. But I, you know what? The BC Hockey League has a top and a bottom too. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily the answer. Um there's, you know, if I I know for a fact that they have their own challenges, and I I, and I think if they grow, I don't know who's going to be the governing body. Someone has to be. If it's not Hockey Canada, I'm not sure who it's going to be. But as they get be- uh, yeah. bigger and grow, they're going to find themselves in the same scenario with the same problems as their membership grows. Well, right? I think I think the challenge for Junior A is going to be. Um, right now, Junior A was a real good path for for players to come to them because they could go NCAA. But now, if you're like, well, I can go to, I can go to the, I can go to major junior and then still, if I want, potentially go NCAA, there'll be some guy. Now, I will, I would always caution people. If your son is not physically ready at 16, I would not send him to the WHL. I think there, I, we can, we can do a laundry list, Brownie, of players who go there at 16. A, they don't get to play a lot. Be some do play. They don't score anything. They lose all their confidence, and they're done. Yeah. And they're they're never the same player again. Like that's, it's a major year of development. And I understand it's hard because everybody likes to believe in their heart of hearts that their kid's ready. Oh no no, my little Johnny's different. And the vast majority, like well, everybody. Oh look at Connor Bedard. Get rid of Connor Bedard in the conversation. That's an outlier. Yeah. Go look at the majority of sixteen year olds. And see what happens. Now, some of them, you know, there's learning curves because that's a reality of life, too. So there is a benefit to it because you need to learn how to deal with adversity as a hockey player. I'm sure Brownie can attest to this. There's very few guys who just do, 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 do. Everything's rosy all the time. And some players who have never dealt with adversity get to the NHL and the pros and they've never had it. And now they're not the best player. And all of a sudden now the coach isn't just fawning all over them and they don't know how to handle it. I remember a conversation I, when I was with the Oil Kings. There was a kid that um, had a great junior career, and he got to the he got to the American Hockey League and got sat. And he called me, and he was struggling with how to handle it. And as I got talking to him, I realized I was like, I said to him, I was like, "Is this the first time you've been a healthy scratch?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Wow, 
You got to the American Hockey League that level without being a healthy scratch, which amazed me. I mean, I was scratched probably as pretty close to as much as I played my first couple of years, right? Playing and major junior. junior and major junior. Like yeah. it was a real struggle for me. I wasn't even, you know, I was the guy that was up and down from tier two, junior a to, to major junior. You know, I played 15 games. I, it was just, it was a real struggle. I, I played the majority down than I did up and you know, all that, you know, being, you know, all that adversity and that building that resilience really taught me how much, you know, do I, how much do I love the game and how much am I willing to, you know, do for the game yeah. to be better? Mm-hmm. And there was a true appreciation and that true grind really taught me at a young age, like, and, and prepared me for later on. But yeah, I mean, lots, you're bang on. There's some, there's no bad way to go. But if you're a big kid and you're mature physically and you're a high, high pick, yeah, the, high, w, the WHL is a great spot. Yeah, I totally but I'm agree. telling you now, like from what I know now, and watching my son go through this and going down to to Boston, um, you know, and, and going down to the Penn State, going down to those five schools and seeing that side of it, I, I just, I mean, to me, I, I don't know. To me, that's that's a great path. Regard, like the coaching is great. Well, the, um, the, the more practice, less more games. Pra- yeah, hundred percent. I just, I, I don't. I'm, I'm a fan of both. I don't think you can go wrong either way. I, I, you know, I was glad that my son didn't sign. It wasn't that I was against him not going to the WHL, but I was glad that he kept that door open so that he had both options to see. Yeah. Jason Greger, Sean Brown with you on Sports 1440. Let's get to the uh, con man. Sports update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Where, uh, hey, you know what? Need a tire change? And uh, guess what? Uh, you blew out all your tires and uh, things are tough. Well, don't worry. Uh, they can help you finance things as well. FountainTire.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 